Hello and welcome, I'm Alexander. And I'm Simon. We are still knee-deep in tech. This is episode 9. Yes, it is. And this episode is brought to you from my kitchen. It's a change of location. It is indeed a change of location. And um, just a word of warning, there are two uh, kittens around here somewhere. They have a tendency of appearing and making noise. So that's it. And they are building part of a new hospital outside so it might be a bit of a weird sounds in the background but having said that it's time to go on with the show yes Simon would you like to start yesterday we got the news creators updates will be live April 11th it's already live for some Xbox One users talking about Windows 10 then oh right right, sorry sorry so creators update the latest and greatest Windows 10 release ever and it's not really that creative. I think the most creative thing that came with Creators Update was actually Surface Studio, which we will discuss later on in this podcast and this episode, of course. I mostly see Creators Update as a quality update, um, a way for Microsoft to get Windows 10 stable and the update process stable. I like to put in a question there. You say stable. Do you mean actually stable or more stable? As in, they've had serious issues with stability in the past, or they had serious issues with stability in the upgrade process from fifteen eleven to sixteen oh seven. Oh right, right. And to be to be completely honest, as I'm a fostering insider, I didn't really notice. But apparently, I have had customers complaining about it. I have heard. Tons of podcasts, uh, reviews, everything complaining about the unsmooth upgrade process from 1511 to 1607. And some things are fixed. Most things will be fixed going from Creators Update to the next update, which will probably hit the air sometime around October. Is that the the Redstone 2? Redstone 3. This is 2. This is 2, right. Yeah. And... This is only, and I repeat, only. Um, I completely lost the word. A rumor, thank you. A rumor or a rumor? guess? No, a rumor. Okay. The new Redstone 3 will probably be called Mobility Update. Mobility Upgrade. Okay, cool. Yeah, probably will have something to do with Windows and ARM. Ah, And right, right. lots of great new features for phone and this mysterious seashell, which cool. is... Looking good. Interesting days ahead, it sounds like. Yes, truly are. Interesting. Yeah. Moving on. Well, I've had a couple of very intense weeks. I taught two instances of uh, 20533. That's the Azure Infrastructure course. The first was for seven students in Malmö which uh, was interesting, especially since Outlook.com uh, broke down. You, you had a bit of a rough week that week. I did, I did. So I came back home, I licked my wounds, and then I went to Stockholm to teach the same course to 17 students instead. Um, Outlook.com went down again, but that wasn't the worst of it. Nope. Uh, we were halfway through the 
second to last uh, modules uh, exercises when there was an update pushed out through the skill pipe system which essentially removed all mentions of the exercises from my students work guides and replaced it with this will be provided by your instructor which is a great thing and and it turns out that this this is by design this is what's expected as since 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 Azure is updated very frequently everything is to be found at github instead the trouble was here i am in a bit of a bind since my machines that i've set up for the the um, exercises they were set up according to the old way to do things and suddenly the students cannot access these kinds of labs anymore which basically sucked and i reached out to my MCT colleagues in the US and finally they, they in turn managed to reach out to the um, program managers that pretty much said oops <laughs> sorry <laughs> and this didn't solve any of my issues but just beware that interesting things can happen and you need to be able to think on your feet when yeah, you because the, the course material may be updated during the course yes and wasn't it you, you taught a um, SQL course a few weeks ago. Wasn't that at the time where Azure actually went down as well? Oh, yeah. So you have had three courses during less than two months, and the cloud has crashed on you each and every time. Yeah, and there's a saying that I use very often that is correlation does not imply causality. Mm. And in my case, apparently, I am uh, caustic to, to cloud. Yeah. You're the crowd, cloud broker. The cloud breaker, not the broker. It's cloud more breaker. fun. It's more fun that way. Oh dear! So this just turned into the cloud broker, cloud breaker thingy. Kind of. We'll we'll see if we get something better than oh, that. Yeah. I, I, but cl- I get, cloud breaker is good. I have a few other interesting tidbits in store. Yeah. Uh, moving on from the cloud to something completely opposite, because it's freakishly heavy. Oh dear. Surface Studio. Oh, hello. I I dare to say that we have the only Surface Studio in Sweden that actually belongs to a Swedish company at the moment. I because think Microsoft do. Western Europe have I think two studios in the entire Europe region. Wow. And we have now one of our own. Yeah. And it's a brilliant device. The unboxing ex- experience is Awesome, and I will do a review on this uh, magical piece of equipment. The funny thing is that I used to have an iMac, and when I first saw the Surface Studio, I was thinking, oh dear, Microsoft has made an iMac. And they have, and then some. Yeah. Holy crap, what an amazing display. Yeah. And then you have the the hinges. The hinges. (laughs) Holy crap, I want to buy one. I hate... Let me stress that again. I hate the fact that I can't tinker with the, the hardware. I can't you, change... You can. Wait, what? You can change the hard drive. There are guides no, out no, there. No, no, no. Not the hard drive. Hardware. Hard. I can't um, change my CPU. I can't change my graphics card. Which is by design. Which is okay. But for that kind of price, I'd like to do that. Since... I think there's a risk that you're going to find yourself in the same bind as you do with an iMac. As in, the screen is amazing. 
and the screen would probably hold up longer than the computer. Yeah, and that that's something that I, I'll review just for the sake of it, mm -hmm. for a Swedish perspective. But if you look at the reviews already out there, that's the main problem with it. Right. Because it's made to hit the iMac at the exact same price points. And that's why you don't have an SSD. It's a hybrid drive. I haven't heard... You are shooting me. No. I haven't heard a hard drive in years. But the Surface Studio, it's not quiet. Okay. That is beyond words. <laughs> so it's a hybrid drive. I want to see your re review. And I'll be happy to add my... Um, how should I put this? Flavored opinions yes. on that and, and piece. Still, it's a $3,000 machine. The, the lowest skew, mm -hmm. which is the one we bought. Mm. If you buy such a pricey machine, and probably most creators will buy the $4,000 one. Right, sure. You shouldn't have a problem paying four five hundred dollars extra to get a one terabyte ssd instead of a hybrid drive considering that i've got a, a one terabyte ssd drive in my stationary computer and i bought that a couple of years back and it cost me 300 bucks yep. back then yep it's not going to be a 500 bucks today no. especially not for the the systems integrator no so holy crap so that that's a shame and i honestly believe I would manage just fine with the hybrid drive, mm -hmm. at least in a corporate environment, because I can use storage somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. But it, but it's the sound. Yeah. That kind of machine shouldn't make no. a noise. No, no, no. It, and, it's, and of it's course, beautiful. Yeah, and of it course it will, it will make noise because the graphic card and CPU is quite powerful in a quite tiny box. Yeah. So it, of course it will make sound, but I shouldn't be able to hear the hard drive no, I agree. Cool. Yeah, but but I would like a pair of those hinges in my knees in a few years. <laughs> <laughs> you just might find yourself with a pair of those hinges in your knees. I would love that. Okay. Interesting. Well, um, I'm going to tell you, <laughs> I had a few very interesting experiences with a couple of different customers this week. And these are not new in any way. But... It, it's always a good thing to revisit this kind of issue and point a searchlight at it since this is an issue for pretty much everyone. The first one was I was uh, tasked to, to migrate uh, a system and I didn't think too much of it. I mean, it, it's a pretty small system, 125 gigabytes. It's basically just a, a, a backup copy and restore so I decided since this is going to be um, this is a fairly important system I want to have the, the shortest amount of, of downtime as possible so I did a, a full backup copy that over restored it but didn't recover it then I did a differential backup yep and this is where my problem started and granted, I should have checked this out from the beginning. I didn't. And it came back to bite me in the ass. So what happened was something that I expected to take four or five minutes took 95 minutes. That's a fair amount of downtime. It is. Especially since I said, no, 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 this is going to be easy. And 
So what happened? A couple of minutes in, I realized, oh shit, I know exactly what this is. So here's the deal. Inside of the SQL Server transaction log file, there are small pieces of the log file called the virtual log files. And this is due to how the, the, uh, the log is designed. And the number of these virtual log files and the sizes of these virtual log files, they are a, a result of the size of the log file from the beginning, if there are any um, growth experiences and so on and so forth. And since the default settings for SQL Server with, with regards to file autograph suck, Yep. You are going to run into problems if you haven't touched those. Then you compound this with having the same database for seven years with the same crappy settings, the size going up and down and up and down and up and down and God only knows what. You're raising my dopamine levels to an extremely high level. Ah, uh, wait, I'll, I'll, I'll bang it down for you. So here, here's the issue. If you have more than, say, a thousand VLFs, you're going to start to see a degradation in the restore and the recovery. Since you have to traverse the entire log file, each and every VLF for every time you restore or recover. Okay. Many scripts say more than 50. You should take a look at this, but I, I find that around a thousand is a good thing. So lo and behold, when I found 42,615 VLFs, <laughs> that's the reason it took me 95 minutes to restore. <laughs> Thank you very much. So you did everything right. Yeah. It, it worked out as it should. Yep. But again, that's why you need to put some time and knowledge into setting up your SQL Server from always, the start. Always, always, always. And of course, when I did this, Assumption is the mother of all fuck-ups. Yep. I should not have expected the system to be pristine at all. I should have checked it out every way to Sunday. I didn't. I paid the price. Then I went to another customer just a couple of days back. How, how do you explain this? They have 800 databases, one for each customer, which is fine, on a two CPU machine mm -hmm. with eight cores, 128 gigs of RAM and SSD storage, they are running at 35 to 50% CPU and pretty much nothing is happening on the machine. They are experiencing some serious performance issues as things take time for the customers, but the CPU doesn't do anything. There is no throughput, whatever. So I came in and the first thing I saw was almost 800 waiting tasks. Hmm. And you're not supposed to have pretty much any waiting tasks mm -hmm. in the SQL Server. So I scratched my head and kept listening to them describing the architecture of the system. And when they told me, oh yeah, we have um, database mirroring for each and every database turned on. I knew that, oh, there's your problem. There's going to be serious issues having more than 20 to 30 database mirror pairs running at the same server. And here we have 800 of them. That's going to be an issue. And it was. Yep. The thing is, you can't easily get out of that. 
you need to shut down the mirrors for each and every one of them. Ooh. So, well, the good thing is they are migrating towards Azure. Yep. They're, they're going to pretty much take everything they have on-premises and put up in Azure. They're not going to have this kind of issue since they're not going to run any mirroring. So it, it's going to be fine. But take this as a warning. Just because you can mirror a Thunderbolt databases doesn't mean you should. But that has to be very uncommon. I've never seen it. I have never, ever seen more than 55. And when that customer with the 55 came and said, I have a serious issue, it was pretty easy to, to find what it was. Yeah. That's not one of your kittens. That's not one of my kittens. That's one of my wives. <laughs> or actually, they're the only wives that I have. Oh. I will be sleeping on the couch tonight. Yes, you will. With the kittens. With the kittens. True. So, another release. Senap Essentials is live in Azure Marketplace. Oh, hello. Yeah, check it out. If you run Citrix today, check it out. If you don't run Citrix today, check it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm it's, starting to see a pattern here. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's basically great. It's a very good replacement. It, it, that, that's not fair on no, it's, uh, Citrix it's, it's Essentials. It's neither fair nor very hard. No, it's 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 what Azure Remote App should have been. Should have been. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm testing it right now. Um, the experience is great, and I really see this as a highly valuable service for many small and medium-sized business. First of all, mm-hmm. but you should be able to scale it quite easily. But I think we discussed that in episode seven that the scaling options in Senna right. Essentials is very limited. It's pretty coarse. Yeah, and, and um, not what I would have expected. But it also, it's, it's of course, it's, it's a differentiator from Citrix Cloud because if you want more advanced mm. scaling, you should go for the higher tier. Mm. But look into it. It's easy to get going. It will provide you a good service and you will be able to run your applications on any device you'd like and at the moment my Citrix colleagues are very interested in getting their hands on a Samsung S8 which will run a bad version of Continuum <laughs> basically the, the, the DEX I think it's called Right. it's basically Continuum mm-hmm. but as far as I've read it's not particularly good but they have the apps. Right. There are no mobile apps for Windows app with, with this phone, that is. Yeah. For example, Citrix, their current app for Windows phone doesn't support Continuum, which is a... Right. Which, right, right. That, and that's, that's one of the reasons Windows phone hasn't taken off because it works brilliantly in Edge. So if you have a Citrix... Environment published so you can access it through your HTML5 mm-hmm. browser. It's mm-hmm. work. It works mind-blowingly good. Cool. Uh, on Windows Phone in Continuum mode, but I would love a real Citrix app that works in Continuum. I know that they have one in preview that I'm trying to get my hands on because that would be basically what you need. Then you get a thin client in your phone. You can use it as a laptop. You can use it as a desktop. You can use it as a phone. And it will have good experience. That's that's going to be interesting. That's that's going to be a game changer. Yeah, I, I think so. And 
we are waiting for some desktop essentials as well. Yeah. That one will be a bit tricky because it requires uh, you to have an SA agreement. So send desktop, it's send desktop essentials. No, sorry, not an SA, an EA agreement okay. or the equivalent. Right, right. It will require at least five hundred users for send desktop essentials. Okay. Send app essentials is from I think twenty five users. Okay. And, and and that's because of the, the VDA rights, for example, oh, right, Windows. Right. And it's quite interesting, and that's why they haven't released Send Desktop Essentials yet, because they need to wait for a licensing change that will happen this Saturday. Oh, so that's that's why. That's what we're waiting for to Microsoft to change the licensing agreement, so it will be possible for you to run a Windows 10 VDI from someone else's cloud. Right, right. And currently, the only supported clouds are Azure. And Azure. And Azure. And Azure. Um, but they will extend that to third-party providers as well. I wouldn't... Uh, I don't think it's... that's. It's, it's not likely that it will be Amazon. Oh, <laughs> It will really? probably be something else, like our own uh, employer's cloud or yeah. whatever. Yeah. It's going to be interesting, though, since it's pretty much opening a can of worms. Yeah, it is. Uh, okay. Yep. Um, speaking of the, the, the cloud. The cloud. Yeah. I had a question yesterday regarding um, DTUs and the eDTUs uh, mm. for Secret Server in, in Azure. And it's, it's pretty much a, um, a very abstract way of measuring uh, horsepower. Yeah. Pretty much. So you have low DTUs, meaning you have low horsepower and more money left in your bank. And then you drag the slider to the right and you hear the scream in your wallet and the scream when your applications take off. Yeah. So that, that's pretty much it. But how on earth do you, do you turn your IOPS into DTUs? Well, the easy answer that there is use the, um, the DTU calculator. Yep. But how does it work? And the question that I had was, if I design a system that cache a lot of stuff in memory and have low amounts of read and write, or if I design a system that reads each and everything from the disk each and every time so I don't cache and thus don't use lots of memory, which, which one is going mm -hmm. to be cheapest? Yep. Yep. And question. I realized that I couldn't answer that question since I hadn't delved deep enough into DTUs. Mm -hmm. So I decided to do that. And boy, did I hit a brick wall. <laughs> in essence, Microsoft will not tell you in any way, shape or form how the DTU is come about. Uh. But looking at the DTU calculator and a great blog post by Justin Hendrickson at Microsoft that actually wrote the thing, uh, he it says that the, the requirements for uploading results to the calculator, it's a CSV file with processor logical disk reads per second, logical disk writes per second, and logical uh, log bytes uh, writes, log byte writes per second, which applied to the question that I had means that the 
less you read and write, the more you keep in cash, yep. the cheaper it will be. Yeah. So to get a cheap application running in Azure, you should use the memory cache as much as you can. That might be. That might be, yeah. A solution, but I, on the other hand, I don't think this is going to be uh, an actual issue since you're going to hit way more other stuff before you hit this since say for instance i have 10 dtus yep what people don't realize is it's going to be throttled everything is going to be throttled at 10 dtus it doesn't matter if your cpu is screaming yep. it's going to be throttled it doesn't matter if you don't use much memory your cpu is going to be throttled yep. so there's always something that's going to be throttled and that's the whole idea with, with yep. the dtus the uh, end result is if you want more power you need to cash if, if you want more power in any of those four metrics yes you need more dtus yes you do so the best thing is to have write an application that uses exactly a specific amount of dtus and maximize that <laughs> yeah, but you can't. Since you, yep. you can't say how many IOPS pretty much equals these kind of yep. views. But what you could do is you can take the, the inefficient recommendation, which is get a free Azure test account. Set up your database and test the shit out of it yep. for each and every of those 200 bucks. Yep. Then you know. Yep. This cannot, and I can't stress that enough, you cannot calculate this beforehand but that's an issue it is with the trial accounts because i don't have any credit cards and phone numbers left that's a very good point uh, that's one of the things that i ran into on in my course yeah a couple of my students said we we can't do this we can't create any more testing accounts yep. and microsoft if you listen no they won't but please fix it yes for the love of god fix it yeah, last great one. That that's our cue to start wrapping this up. But before we do that, we will talk about a new conference. Yes, we will. And this will be a surprise. It's a code conference. It's a developer conference. And we're going to be there. Yeah. Uh, how? Yeah. We we are still a bit. Um, what to say? I, I, I'm I'm a bit scared of developers. Scared? I'm scared shitless. Yeah. But we, I think both our talks will be on the subject of how can we as IT pros and developers work better together. And I think we we currently have a, this ongoing epic fight on it's your fault, it's your fault, and. I will be completely honest, since I've started working with Windows as a service, I've realized that we as IT pros need to learn so much from developers. And vice versa. Yeah, but to be fair, most applications work quite nice. New applications work good in Windows or whatever. Most of the time, of course, the for me, as a client management guy, mm -hmm. I run into issues with old applications. Right. And that's that's not the developer's fault that the 
organization running an old app doesn't upgrade it. No, no, no. So, uh, so, and I know this sounds a bit like I'm begging for your acceptance, developers out there. But, but that's that's one thing I tell all my customers when I talk about Windows as a service. Learn from from your developers. And when you use the word agile, that turns every single CIO on. Oh yeah, yeah. good point. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say that my experience with, with the developers when it comes to databases is that they might be able to code. Yeah. They generally don't know SQL yep. nearly as good as they should. Yep. And they don't have a beep clue about how to configure the database. Was the beep only because this is um, available in the US? Good question. Yeah. Leave it at that. <laughs> so, so, so in my opinion, there is a lot of developers that need to learn more from the IT pros yeah. when it comes to the database. But in the end, it's not a race. No, it isn't. It is, um, you need to work together, people. Yeah, work together to bring the best possible user experience because that's why we are here. Every single one of us. Yeah. Yeah. Create a good user experience. And as as Simon said, we're going to be giving each an, an, uh, a session at the code meetup. Yep. You're going to go the IT Pro Dev way. I'm going to talk about uh, how to abuse your SQL Server. Yep. This is going to be interesting yeah. since we're probably going to be, if not the only two, then very two other very few IT Pros. Yep. And I think it was the 16th to 17th of May in Stockholm. I think you just might be right. And you can follow them. Um, May 16th to 17th. Yeah. And on Twitter, I think it's at CodeMeetup. Yep. And CodeMeetup.se. Yep. Be be there. We're going to be there. We're going to be there. I think we hit exactly. No, we were one or two seconds over the time. Mm -hmm. It's time to wrap it up. Does that mean we have to redo it? Please no. God no. Okay. So, yeah. Until next time. Until next time. See you around. Have a good one.